The date is 19th or 11th, 1998, Amsterdam. Talk is the hierarchy of flights. And most people don't think that such a thing as a hierarchy exists. When you mention hierarchy to them, they react in a negative emotional way, not realizing that all of life is hierarchical in its setup. If they simply look at their physical bodies in the way that their physical body is constituted, they'll see that there's a lot of energies that are bound together in, in atoms, and then the atoms uh, are put together to produce molecules, and then the molecules, uh, of which there are a huge number, you know, trillions upon trillions of molecules, are then sort of um, made together to produce larger molecules, such as our... Uh, lymph molecules or the molecules of protein and the amino acids and things like that huge what we what in chemistry is called macromolecules and then the macromolecules are put together uh, to produce uh, you know organelles and cells and then there's these small organelles and then they many myriads of organelles become part of a cell and there's trillions of cells in the body and then the cells uh, organize in such a way as to uh, combined with other cells to produce parts of a larger organ called, say, the uh, liver or the kidneys or the heart. And all these large organs then all have their particular functions controlling parts of the body, and they are coordinated by means of, say, the heart system, the cerebrospinal system, the blood um, and the brain, uh, centrally coordinated uh, by a huge macro synergetic system which we call the human being uh, a thinking human being and this is all hierarchically set up we have billions upon billions of cells forming one organ and all the organs interrelated by means of the brain itself uh, with its uh, two funk parts the cerebral spinal and the sympathetic nervous system one part of the brain relates to the functions such as the heart that just beats automatically and that automatic functioning keeps you alive, it regulates your body temperature, gives you the rhythms of life, your, uh, the breathing that you do for instance, the periods that women have, waking up cycles, eating cycles, all of this hunger pains, all of this is uh, uh, automatic and then there's the other part of you that is your thinking process that's uh, tells you that you want to eat this type of food or that type of food or do this or that or walk in front of a truck if you, if you feel like doing it or poison your body. Uh, and so this is the hierarchical setup in, in the human body. So hierarchy is God's plan for all the kingdoms of nature, for the entire system of being. If you look at, at the planet as a whole, again, you see the same thing. You, have, you see a mineral kingdom, you have a plant kingdom living of the mineral kingdom, of um, the mineral sort of um, billions upon billions upon billions of atoms all bound together and certain molecules and compounds and chemicals of which there's a select number and upon that there are billions of different types of plants living of them. And uh, then we have within the plant kingdom you have very primitive plants, uh, the fungi and the algae, uh, and then you get um, eventually um, such things as the the ferns and we go on to uh, the flowering plants and the huge trees which seem to be the head of the hierarchy of plants. 
And then we get the next um, evolution in nature as science has postulated, as you know, they said we come from single-celled entities and eventually in the waters um, came such things as fishes and from huge fishes eventually something crawled out of the water with legs and produced amphibians and they started conquering the land and from that evolved the the reptiles and from the reptiles evolved the mammals and, and then we get the birds and this whole hierarchical system on the terrestrial uh, biosphere of this earth. And of course the top or the pinnacle of life um, is human beings who can control all of nature. They are numerically the, the smallest number of animals or entities on this planet. They're the very top of the hierarchy, the food chain on this planet. Um, and underneath them uh, are increasingly larger number of entities until you get to, say, the insects. I mean, there's trillions upon trillions upon trillions of flies, for instance, in just one part of this planet um, compared to mere millions of human beings. Um, so when you look at the entire planet, you see that um, all of life is organized according to a hierarchical system. And when you look at the planet within itself, then you see it's just one planet within a solar system of many planets, and all the stars are organized according to constellations, and then the constellations interrelate as a small part of a, of a spiral arm of a galaxy, and then the galaxies are part of a supergalaxy, and the supergalactic clusters move onwards in time and space as part of the universe. And all of this, again, is hierarchically uh, instigated from one galaxy composed of billions of suns and the billions of suns are all organized and and obey simple laws of, of motion and evolution and the suns then have trillions upon trillions upon trillions of planets and the planets have um, possible um, life forms such as we are on this earth uh, from human forms downwards to subhuman species as well of course we have the diva or the angelic kingdom and the way they are organized it's impossible to think of life, it's impossible to think of evolution, it's impossible to think of, of universe without thinking of hierarchy. Yet most human beings seem to think that no such thing exists. When we're talking about the hierarchy of light and love, what we're talking about is the way human beings have, throughout the eons of evolution, developed consciousness, developed enlightened beings. Beings evolve on the path of love and light. And when they become beings, uh, highly, highly sophisticated beings, through myriads of incarnations, and they become a Jesus, or they become a Buddha, or all of these other great sages and saints that have worked for, for humanity and are commonly trying to help all the kingdoms of nature, when they, these entities die, they don't simply disappear and into a vacuum, into a, a nothingness space, and or or sit in front of God and sing with harps, holy, 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 you know, the Lord God Almighty, you know, praise Him forever and ever and ever. That would be tantamount to a hell state, um, if, especially if somebody has spent all of their lives um, just helping human beings, helping all the kingdom of nature. These beings know that to help properly. They must band together. They must work together with heart and hands. They must work together with a collective mind, collective consciousness, a communion, community of consciousnesses. And this unified collective helping of humanity, whether they in incarnation or out incarnation, and those beings that are working together with unified consciousness, with one heart, to help humanity and all the kingdoms of nature to evolve, we call a hierarchy of light and love. And these beings 
are the ones that have helped bring about all the world's religions. Buddhism, Christianity, the Judaic religion, the primitive religions and so forth, the primitive societies. They've brought about the civilizations. They've seen the rise and deaths of such civilizations as the Greek or the Roman or, or the ancient civilizations in, in Mesoamerica, the Mayan and the Aztec and the Oceanic civilizations, the American Indians, whatever you see um, culture flowering, there you have the hand of these enlightened beings. They incarnate into humanity and they become the great teachers and the great, um, the great leaders of those societies if they are um, working for the betterment of human beings. All members of hierarchy, they've incarnated many, many times to help human beings. And they don't have a favoritism in terms of religion or cultural society that they, that they favor one against the other because there are many cells in the body. There are many different organs in the body. There's a heart center and a lungs and there's liver and there's spleen and there's intestines and there's brain and there's eyes and there's sexual organs. And when you begin to look from the higher dimensions of perception, the way all the religions are on this planet and all of the different types of cultural situations and the different types of races of being and, and the different types of um, governments that we have, then what we're really looking at, cumulatively speaking, is a, is a body of a human being with different organs, different parts of the body, different chakras. And hierarchy incarnate into the various organs of this collective being that we call humanity, this collective human being. We can call it either male or female. If you look at it closely, you'll be able to give humanity a gender. And, but at this stage, I won't go into that. What I'm trying to point out is that the hierarchy at any particular time are working at, for instance, the stimulation of the heart of humanity, or the heart of this great entity, that is called human. And that heart may be a particular civilization on this earth in a specific time zone. The heart, for instance, of humanity um, has been for thousands of years the Egyptian civilization. And the Egyptian civilization has held the wisdom religion of all time for thousands upon thousands of years there. Even before the Great Flood. I mean, if you understand the age of the Great Sphinx, the Sphinx was built according to modern-day scientists now, uh, before um, the Great Flood, well over 10,000 years ago, because the weather patterning on the Sphinx can only produce by very, very heavy rains. This is a geological proven fact by the best geologists today. When was Egypt um, last had major rains in this desert area? Well, well over six, seven, eight, nine thousand BC. What civilization existed then? according to orthodox um, paleontologists and archaeologists, none. What could have carved that huge monument then? We say Atlantis. We say there was a civilization on this planet, 10,000 or so BC, called Atlantis, of which Plato speaks of in his book, and whom the ancient uh, Egyptian philosopher, um, that um, his teacher Timaeus um, went to, called Solon, uh, said that this ancient civilization was there and that Egypt was always, to the Greeks, the heart of the ancient wisdom religion. That's where they got their teachings from. 
Plato described it um, in his book and um, speaks of Atlantis in the Atlantic Ocean. And it speaks of the Great Flood. And of course we get religion after religion speaking of the Great Flood. When you get the proofs of hierarchy, it's relatively simple to look at as you go back into time and you look at such things as the Great Sphinx and the Pyramid of Giza. You know, a huge monument um, with um, erected out of out of a uh, out of stone, transported hundreds of miles away. It's one block there, about 200 tons in weight. There's only two cranes in this entire earth today that can lift 200 tons, and um, they would have to spend weeks of mathematical calculations figuring out how to do that. And here, these ancients could lift it and place these huge megaton rocks high above the earth in a precise alignment with the earth's um, north-south axis, etc. And not only that, the, the, the blocks uh, that house the Great Sphinx, those blocks are 200 tons in weight, all perfectly aligned, one on top of the other. This ancient civilization had technology far in advance to present-day humanity. Where did it come from? What about all the mysteries of the Great Sphinx and the Great Pyramid? Not just the Egyptian pyramids. Why were they the Aztec and the Mayan and the, the pre-Mayan pyramids? Some one of which was even larger than the Great Pyramid. All coming at the same time. Where did um, the, the Mayans get their precise uh, astronomical cal uh, calendar? Uh, which only modern science now can, um, can have the same precision when you're talking about procession of the equinoxes and so forth. When you add um, all the testimony of the ancient, the ancient monuments and the, the ancient science together, then you say, this wisdom, this wisdom teaching has been on, on this earth since time immemorial. And enlightened beings have been on this earth guiding humanity since time immemorial. Because truly, we're talking of high culture, high science. And this is what the hierarchy is the most enlightened of all beings that, um, that Earth has ever produced from Atlantis onwards, incarnating again and again to put a um, shot of adrenaline or something like that in the course of civilization to further the evolutionary growth of humanity, to push humanity onwards closer and closer to greater knowledge, to greater love. The last time we had on the whole this hierarchy of light incarnating was at the time of Renaissance all those great poets and artists that we know of and we, we gaze at with awe in our museums, Leonardo da Vinci and, and, uh, and Raphael and uh, Michelangelo and El Greco and all these, these, these types of beings um, and the Reformation itself, Martin Luther and Swingali and myriads of beings uh, that, that incarnated maulers together to suddenly put a shot of adrenaline in the arm of civilization to bring it out of the dark ages. These individuals that incarnated to give humanity the best of culture, the best of the new science, the new art styles, um, to make humanity think, to begin to um, react against the papacy, the, the old religion of, of Roman Catholicism. Um, this is hierarchy incarnating giving humanity its shot in arms, and not individuals that are suddenly geniuses beyond, uh, beyond uh, 
human imagination, a Shakespeare or a Francis Bacon or a Plato or an Archimedes or a Pythagoras or a Buddha or a Christ. This is all hierarchy. These great beings have been connected throughout time for the benefit of humanity. It is logical that the human kingdom also has a hierarchical structure, as does the body and as does the rest of nature. Common humanity, um, common emotional humanity, or common um, sex-based emotional humanity, beings that exist interested in sex and, 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 and violence and all those types of martial-type things that, that a lot of people are at the very bottom, that don't have much thinking process, they just react to this or that, they're, they're common primal urges of their physical plane life, intensely selfish, intensely sexual, uh, intensely argumentative and somewhat violent um, at the very bottom, if you wish. And then you get the emotional humanity at the, the next rung up where they more or less involve just with their own material selves, but they're emotionally involved and they watch television in their great masses, all the, the sitcoms, all of the shows that do with emotional issues and common human relationships and they worship the movie stars and the rock stars and and they go to the movies and and, uh, and pay enormous amounts of money and virtually all their time is is in this emotional pursuits of sensual pleasure and and material lifestyles right this is what rules our societies today, people's greed and people's desire to have more and more money so they can get more and more pleasurable things, common emotional humanity, the next rung up. And then we get the intelligentsia, the thinkers, those that are our scientists, sometimes our politicians, sometimes our lawyers, sometimes our artists and artisans. They think. They're not so much interested in material pleasure as such material indulgence and watching the, the movies endlessly and the sitcoms and the, the, the shows about uh, common life experiences and the sex and all the rest of it. What they're interested in is creativity. They're interested in governments. They're interested in helping humanity and sometimes um, selfishly so. They're interested in big business. They're thinkers. They're the intelligentsia. And out of them we get the next rung up, the philosophers those that are seriously working at helping humanity because they can see quite clearly if humanity are totally selfish and stealing from one another in order to build their, their little empires of greed and lust and, and material comforts, then this planet is um, doomed because um, this type of competitiveness means that there are some very selfish nations indeed with very wealthy nations such as the United States and a lot of Europe and some exceedingly poor poverty-stricken nations. War is the outcome of these types of things as the poverty-stricken nations want their share of the planetary wealth. Not only that, eventually the planet sort of um, destroys itself to destroying its resources. The rape of the planet, for instance, the rainforests going, the forests being destroyed everywhere, animals being slaughtered in their billions for human greed, human consumption. So you get these philosophers trying to do something about that the next pinnacle up from the intelligentsia, those that actually um, can think very, very clearly about the true issues of the causes of suffering of human beings. When we get into these philosophical elite, um, the end, um, and they start to organize themselves as they must because they're fighting common materialism, common selfishness, 
then we get such organizations as Greenpeace and, and many of the religious fraternities that are truly trying to help human beings. Um, Mother Teresa sort of in Calcutta on the streets, uh, busy sort of offering homes for the homeless. Um, and you can multiply this in every society. Basically, those that are that are working earnestly but generally with very little money because they're fighting the way society as a whole is with their selfishnesses. We call these beings disciples, as far as hierarchy goes. As we get higher under this pinnacle and these beings that are starting to think lovingly about saving the planet, lovingly about interrelating with each other, lovingly about the way they squander time, and they say, no, we will not squander time purely for material pleasures, we will create instead. We create something that is beneficial to humanity. Then we're talking about hierarchy and we're getting to more and more towards the apex of this particular pyramid of hierarchy. These are the disciples. And depending on their influence upon humanity, how much they truly help humanity. So we're talking about high members of hierarchy or younger members of hierarchy incarnated, what we call degrees of initiation. Now, all members of hierarchy, therefore, are working on the path of love. They're all sacrificing an aspect of themselves, their material indulgences, their material comforts, their selfishness, to work upon themselves in order to create, in order to produce a better picture for the world, a better, more true, harmonious world. They're willing to tie themselves in front of, uh, on the trees, in front of chainsaw wielding people because um, that may be the only way that that forest may be saved. They're willing to, to endure a lot of hardships in order to save whales and, and the fishes and, and this planet and things like that. This is... Uh, the, the most elementary level of, of hierarchy in a, in a sense. The younger members of hierarchy have got a common vision of, um, of the, the greed and the selfishness, the multinational companies, for instance, of this planet must somehow be fought if this planet is not to self-destruct because there's a few greedy people with billions of dollars and trillions of, of wastage all around them which they've built their billions of dollars on. As you climb up the, the ladder of hierarchy, you, you go from this more common base of people that are exoterically or in an outward fashion helping and doing much good for the planet, though they're still, still very emotional, they still haven't properly thought out all of the issues. They don't yet understand, some of them, um, the way that they manifest their lives in a somewhat greedy fashion too. They're still involved in material comforts, for instance. They're still largely thinking of themselves, what's best for themselves, even though part of them is focused upon the planet and their issue because it's only one issue that they're looking at. It can be um, nuclear issues, it can be rainforests, it can be whales, but it's only one issue. And as you become more awakened to the higher levels of hierarchy, um, you begin to think more multi-issued, multi-dimensional. You're thinking more in terms of the planet as a whole. You're getting away from these single issues and you're beginning to think more into a unification of issues, a unification of humanity, a wholeness, a synergy, a oneness. Not just um, a materialistic thinking either, but more in terms of religion. Not just in terms of one religion, sort of say Buddhism, but in terms of all religions. So the higher you get in hierarchy, in hierarchical thinking, the more you think in terms of one the more you think in terms of unity, the more you think in terms of the common good from a much more synthetic understanding. 
You see, also politicians as members of hierarchy, some great political leaders can be great members of hierarchy trying to help the planet through political means. And they're fighting the entire society that they're part of and their own governments sometimes. Or, part of the, or they may not even get that far um, simply because they understand that to change the way people as a whole think is the way to save the planet. One way is to change yourself to a tree. Another way is to actually try to produce education for the planet, to produce lots of information. The more you can educate the planet um, upon various issues, the better it is for changing um, the saving of forests. So you get people that make movies about issues that are of great benefit to human beings. So when you get those individuals that, that are working their lives in such a way as they can influence larger and larger masses and actually change public opinion, then you get higher members of hierarchy incarnated in that particular person. You're getting closer to the pinnacle. As you get higher members of hierarchy, then you get those beings that are more often veiled. They're not so much in the public eye. They've far much to do because they're conquering glamour, they're conquering pride when individuals put themselves in, in a, a position of leadership in such a way that's very showy. Then you get the pride element. The high members of hierarchy don't have time for adoration of the masses. They don't have a lot of time for the um, answering of thousands of letters. On the whole, they're too busy. They've got to be freed from, from public adulation and, uh, and all of that type of activity that comes with it. They're not movie stars as such. They are far more veiled. They can be the Buddhist monk sitting in a monastery and influencing thousands of people through more cult means, telepathically, for instance, sending fort images to their disciples all over this world. And they're sitting just in one spot, such as the great Buddhist masters um, do. Milarepa, Padmasamhavna, Tsongkhapa, some of the Zen monks of the past. They don't need to be outwardly running around this world. They simply need to awaken their full powers, their full awarenesses, and influence many through um, giving them loving energies, beautiful visions, and beautiful thoughts, so that they go out and do the work that needs to be done of them. So we're now getting close to the, the pinnacle of hierarchy. And the very highest members of hierarchy um, are sent out from time to time, such as the Buddha, such as Jesus, such as Tsongkhapa, um, to become major reformers. These beings, when they come out, they start major religions. They start major reformations. And they're very, very rarely respected for what they do. They have to fight every inch of the way against the public opinion. Whenever Jesus walked around to teach, very rarely did he have... Um, a lot of followers, they often picked up rocks to slow at him because he was teaching what to the Jews was blasphemy. That was the crime that, they, that, that he committed to them, sheer blasphemy. What he gave them, his teachings of love, was not understood by them at all. He evaded um, Judea most of the time and lived in an area called Galilee and other areas which was not so much Jewish in those days because of fear of the Jews. His twelve once once went down done what was called Palm Sundays and they, they they warned him again and again, you go there and you risk having your life. Risk your life. 
Once he even said to his twelve, Will you leave me also? Because all his other disciples left him. And Peter said, Where can we go? You are the embodiment of the truth. There's no other teacher. There was just twelve left. And even of those twelve, one eventually betrayed him. And he was crucified. This is the highest members of hierarchy incarnate thus. They become world saviors. But when they incarnate, they teach truths that for the customs of the time, for the way that people think, is not at all understood. It's like John the Baptist, a voice crying in the wilderness. Repent ye, he said, make ye your path straight for the coming of the Lord. The Christians often say, oh, that's what um, John was, the voice crying in the wilderness, preparing people for the coming of Jesus. But this is the way the higher members of hierarchy are, those voices crying in the wilderness. Common religion, even these new age religions, are still common religions, just a higher way of thinking. But the higher initiated members of hierarchy cannot give out common platitudes to feed the emotional masses. They've come now to destroy emotional thinking, to teach the way of the intelligentsia for the world, the way of discipleship the new teachings of love, what love is and what it is not. Most often, always misunderstood, always have stones thrown in. And what are stones, esoterically or spiritually speaking, but thought forms, thought forms tied with emotions. People use these thought forms of their mouths and they scream at these individuals. They cause malicious gossip, slander them. They will not allow the truth to come. These individuals are castigated in the public media if they come out to the surface with their teachings. Always opposition. The hierarchy is what is called, in our philosophy, the heart in the body of God, the heart centre. Looking as God, the God of our planetary system, not necessarily the God of this universe, but simply the God or the Logos of the planet, as the heart of this planetary region. And um, we call this um, simply the hierarchy, the heart center. And the kingdom of God we call Shambhala. This is the head or the thinking aspect of this planetary system. And the members of Shambhala or the kingdom of God are simply of a hierarchy of a form of planetary evolution that have come to this earth to help humanity or to bring about the whole appearance of a human kingdom out of the lesser kingdoms of nature. Humanity embody the other chakras, the major chakras in the body of God, the throat centre, the solar plexus centre, the sacral centre, the base of the spine, the throat centre, the intelligentsia, the solar plexus centre, average human beings, the sacral centre, well, those sex-oriented human beings whose prime focus is sex and sexual indulgence and martial arts, war-type activities, the more violent types, the unthinking types. The base of the spine centre really refers to the four lower kingdoms in nature. One petal of the four petals, one of them relates to the human kingdom, the other petal relates to the animal kingdom, the other petal relates to the plant kingdom, and one relates to the mineral kingdom. Four petals, four, four kingdoms. These are the major chakras in the body of God. The minor chakras relate to the, uh, the various categories of the animal kingdom, and then the smaller chakras, the various categories of the plant kingdom, and the very tiny points of light, which are the acupuncture points, 
um, they all relate to the categories of the mineral kingdom. All the chakras are just doorways of expression to the various kingdoms of nature through which this human being has evolved. We've evolved from the minerals to the plant, from the plant to the animal, from the animal to the human, from the human we're going to superhuman states. And all that hierarchy are, are members of the human kingdom that have evolved out of the human kingdom in a sense and have awakened to superhuman states of consciousness. They're in between becoming a kingdom of God and thus leaving this planet altogether as Buddha. A Buddha is just simply as a member of hierarchy, a member of humanity that has gone through the entire gamut of hierarchy, become a Christ, and um, as a consequence of that person's evolutionary attainment has evolved so far and so fast away from human thinking and human consciousness that the state of awareness that that being has is so transcendent that they can no longer properly help human beings. Thus a Buddha is one who has worked and cleansed all karma with human beings, with all the kingdoms of nature, and is now, after that last act of service for human beings, by giving to his disciples the teachings and the energies needed, um, the new religion, if you wish, goes off into cosmic space as a young child in the stars to learn um, the language, the law, the teaching, the way of living of beings in cosmic space goes off to another star system as a child because all that such a being has really done is born out of the womb of the great mother of this earth. All members of hierarchy are evolving to become Buddhas. Eventually all of humanity shall become Buddha. Um, in the Bible it simply says the Christ within you to hope the glory. And Jesus himself says, or is overshadowed by the Christ, if I ascend to the Father, meaning to the kingdom of God, will take all men unto me, or must take all men unto me. Lo, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the age, is another one of his sayings. Meaning that he always help humanity, always incarnate um, for the benefit of humanity. Until all of humanity have become Buddhas. All of humanity have ready to build their spaceships, their ships of light and love, and leave this planet all together. They leave it in consciousness. They leave it as chakras. They leave it as members of hierarchy. Um, likewise, when Jesus talked to his talk, and um, they asked him why he spoke in parables. He, spoke, he said, I speak in parables, because these individuals around them, in other words, common humanity and the common religionists of his time, having ears, hear not, Having eyes, see not, neither did I understand. Therefore I have to speak to them in this simple, simple terminology, in parables. But you, you can be given, referring to as 12, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To you I can speak openly. Because you are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. And this is the way hierarchy is. For hierarchy, the method of um, achieving hierarchical consciousness is what is called initiation into the mysteries of the kingdom of God, of which technically there are nine initiations. But each of these initiation steps are steps that awaken you more and more as to these mysteries, more and more of the understanding of what cosmic space is, 
of the way of evolution of the stars themselves and where we have come from as human beings from our monadic or spirit selves incarnating as souls and evolving as souls through myriads of incarnations gaining much wisdom and experience in this physical plane and then eventually the soul itself dying at the fourth initiation which is what Jesus undertook uh, when he died on the cross he said my God why hast thou forsaken me at that particular time in the fourth initiation the soul itself dies and for one brief moment the initiate knows what it is like to stand at the very beginning of time before there was God before there was light before there was anything and then the initiate grows and the experience of cosmic evolution onwards and onwards and onwards until he sees the far vast future time-space continuum the way whole star systems evolve the entire purpose of the cosmos and that cosmic visioning the way of evolution of the spirit or monad as we call it is what was accorded to Jesus on the cross and the symbolism of the destruction of the soul and the veil that is given in the Bible and the veil of the temple was rent in twain. The temple was the temple of the soul. Its veil as its form was destroyed. So it means technically the ending of incarnations for such a being. No more does he need to incarnate. But at this particular initiation, which is the entire purpose of Buddhist philosophy, to attain um, the shunyatya experience, which they do cannot explain in terms of words. They just simply say, well, it is not. This nirvana or moksha. Because it's impossible to explain to people who have minds, who have emotions, what a state of being beyond the mind is, beyond the soul is. Simply is. Being, they call it. Beingness. Neither this nor that. That which is in between all things. So all of Buddhism is trying to get people, beings, to become as Jesus did on the cross. And this is the way of hierarchy. This is the transcendence of the Buddha. Evolution does not stop. It doesn't stop for any god. It does not stop for any human being. It does not stop for any termite on this planet. It does not stop for any mineral unit. Everything is always evolving. Because we are imperfect, so God is imperfect. God is just simply a great Buddha being that, for the sake of, of helping out all sentient beings, has limited his consciousness or her consciousness in time and space to help a planet such as this Earth onwards and will stand by that planet seeding a planet with consciousness, with love and light to all the stages of evolutionary process until all the human kingdom evolves therein become Buddhas and gods in their turn. When a Buddha goes off into cosmic space all that a Buddha is really learning to do is to become a planetary deity and later on a solar deity, later on a cosmic deity always evolving, always expanding. Everything is relative. You are God to the cells in your body. You are absolute God to the cells in your body. You can destroy those cells as you wish. You can poison your body. You can cut out a part of your body and kill all those cells then. Or you can try to keep your body very, very healthy indeed. Keep your whole brain cells very healthy indeed so you can think. 
and likewise in the body of God we're just simply cells they're in all of the human souls and the cells as I said are organized in the hierarchical structure that is how hierarchy is and what hierarchy is each little cell eventually evolving to become an organelle and the organelle evolving to become something like a heart and that's what a great enlightened being is for humanity they re represent the collective consciousness of a great organ in the body of God such as the heart such as the lungs such as the liver but they are the chakras thereof not so much the forms but they also manifest as the forms each great member of hierarchy which we call the Kohans of the rays distributes the seven rays of light not the colors of light as known to physical science but the esoteric colors the first ray of will of power the second ray of love wisdom the third ray of active intelligence the fourth ray of harmony through conflict the fifth ray of science or scientific endeavor the sixth ray of devotion the seventh ray of ceremonial magic these rays have all musical notes associated with them and when they interrelate we get sub-rays and so they interrelate more and more until we get all the gradations and appearance of phenomena all the categories of life because what we're talking about is energy and energy into relationship as conditioned by consciousness as conditioned by mind and the great beings in hierarchy these seven ray kohans are responsible for the seven major divisions the seven major chakras on this planet and the way energies interrelate energy and mass are interrelated energy equals mass times the speed of light squared one of the great formulations of science of course Einstein was a great member of hierarchy to give us that that's what he incarnated for to push on science enormously